Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy. If you do, please be sure to subscribe. If it's not your first rodeo, you probably wouldn't believe me if I told you how cool I think that is and how grateful I am to have you as a listener because, well, without you, this whole thing is pretty pointless. So thank you. As always, I have an amazing guest today. Meredith Arthur is author of the new book, Get Out of My Head, Inspiration for Overthinkers in an Anxious World. She also runs the site Beautiful Voyager, which she created in 2015 for overthinkers, perfectionists, and people pleasers, collectively known as anxious people. And on top of that, she is editor for the top mental health publication on medium invisible illness. And if all that isn't enough, she was an absolute blast to chat to. So just before we get into all of that, I have an announcement. I know, very serious. Um, Over the past few months, I've had a lot of what the fuck moments, as I'm sure you have too, as we try our best to navigate and figure out what the hell is going on. And I'm not trying to figure the world out. That would drive me completely insane. I'm trying to figure my own world out. Part of that is what I do with my time and trying to at least do some good with it. One project I've been working on recently, which is taking almost all of my attention, is the Anxiety Support Summit. And what that is, is basically me interviewing between 20 and 30 different experts, thought leaders and authors on the subject of anxiety to pick their brains, extract that wisdom and serve it to you on a platter for you to apply it to help you break free from your own anxiety so you can start living your best life. That's it in a nutshell. It's been an absolute ball ache, and thank God I'm not doing it on my own. I'm an amazing partner who knows exactly what he's doing while keeping me sane through it all, ish. But I am confident it's going to be a special event because I get to speak to some brilliant people in an effort to hack this anxiety shit and hopefully help an awful lot of people in the process. So if you want to know more and help spread the word, please head over to anxietysupportsummit.com. There's lots of information there and you can register for free. And finally, because it is Mental Health Awareness Week, I'm offering up to 30% off the Free Your Mind from Anxiety program. So if you are interested, head over to my site, nickycullen.com, and you will find all the information you need there to make an informed decision. And on that note, enjoy this chat with the legend that is Meredith. Very welcome. And um, yeah, maybe we can just kick off by getting a little bit of your background story. Can I just tell you, I'm also very excited because you have always been on my radar I think because I love the no BS thing, but you've always been on my radar as like, I like him. I like what he's doing. So I feel the same way. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, I have a very strange background in that I did not know I had anxiety until age 39. So most people kind of know that about themselves and I did not. So my story is that I was a little kid with migraines. I always had stomach aches and nausea. And basically, uh, my whole life, I I was, uh, you know, 
a people pleaser, perfectionist, worked worked hard to feel secure in the world. But I didn't. I never really thought about it. Um, and then I was in the techno. I'm in the technology world. I work at Pinterest now, but I worked at many different technology companies. And I was in this period of being in a lot of different startups. Three startups in one year, actually. Nikki, it's a lot of startups. Yeah, startups are <laughs> not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> and each of those startups I thought was going to be my job and each startup like either went under or they let go of me or whatever. It was just a lot. And in the middle of that, my physical symptoms were getting worse and worse. So I was, I fainted on a bus. I just was very feeling very sick all the time. My migraines were getting really terrible. I went to see a neurolog my neurologist, who I had seen before, but for some reason this time she spotted the signs of anxiety and said to me, I know what's wrong with you. You have generalized anxiety disorder. And it was this complete watershed moment for me. It was life before and life after because I knew as soon as she said it that it was true, yeah. but I hadn't known it until then. And on top of that, I had gone to five therapists and no one had spotted it. That's, um, that's really interesting. So I, I had the, I, I, well, no, I, I had a diff, same, same, but different, right? You know, like when I, mm -hmm. it took me five years to learn that I had an anxiety disorder and, you know, I had, I had, I fell into an awful place trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I thought I had all sorts of undetected diseases. I was convinced I had a brain tumor. Um, of course, yeah. It, it was crazy. Because like you I, don't know. You have yeah. no way of knowing. You're going to all these doctors all the time. You're like, oh, I'll go to a gastroenterologist. I'll go to a neurologist. I'll, you know, the symptoms are so diffuse and they're so like confusing. Yeah. It's really hard to understand. Yeah. I feel it's kind of easy to, like, not not officially diagnose it, but but to identify anxiety in someone these days. Maybe that's just because, like, I mean, it's been eighteen years now. I've been trying to figure this shit out, so um, maybe that's just how my mind thinks. But um, it's super interesting to hear that was your experience. And when, so when you actually did get, when your neurologist said to you, like, because it's also strange that you can go to therapy so many times and you're suffering with anxiety I know. and not be told, right? Because that I know. just feeds anxiety and makes us question our sanity. And I mean, we should question our sanity probably anyway. But, <laughs> but you know, it makes you ask all these really harsh questions of yourself that are are only going to ever set you backwards until you kind of know what, what you're dealing with. But when your neurologist told you, right, this is anxiety, Meredith, that you have a generalized anxiety disorder, what was like, what was her basis for coming? Like, did she run any, did you, did you do an MRI or like, were, were there any? Okay. That's a great, that's a really, that's a really, really good question. And that's super important. So, what had happened was that I was always a big problem solver. So if I was given something to do, I would work really hard at it. And in this case, I had worked really hard on trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I had done lots of tests. I spit into cups and then it would tell me like my cortisol levels. I had like my hormones checked, my female hormones 
just different stuff. So when I went into my neurologist that day, I had lots of different tests to share different things that I had taken or tried. And I was in the middle of saying to her, Dr. Kasabin, I really think we need to look at the vagus nerve because I've heard that if you have high tone or low tone in your vagus nerve, and I was just talking really fast. Mm -hmm. And that's when she said, I know what it is. And she later told me that the reason she knew, there were a couple of reasons. One was that she sees a lot of people in Silicon Valley who have an anxiety disorder. And she tell she said, I tell three to four people a day, this is what's happening. And very few of them listen. Very few of them will respond to it. Mm-hmm. So most people just shut it down. She always said, you're my star patient because when I told you, you accepted it. And then like you started learning. Yeah. In fact, in the book, I, de- I, you know, I have, she's in my acknowledgments and just with such deep gratitude, I can't wait to hand her the book and, and thank her again. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I, it, it makes sense that it is rampant in Silicon Valley where, where you are with, the, with just the nature of the, the competitive nature of work, the, the like walking on eggshells in your startup, not knowing if it's going to get funded or if you're going to go without a job the next day, go from hero to zero, and, and just the pressure, I mean, a massive, massive pressure cooker to find yourself in. Uh, and get... even the people that sort of land here often are such, t- you know, they've worked so hard to get here. I mean, it's people from all over the world who are all like the hardest workers. A lot of the people who are here went through so much to, to find their way here. Mm-hmm. And so I think that adds to it as well. And then they found success. So they're seen as successful, but they just the push and the pressure to get yeah. here. And as you said, it's so intense. You mentioned perfectionism. So do you think perfectionism plays in plays plays a big role there? Because you're 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 shooting for the stars, right? Yes. So I'd say I'd say um, Silicon Valley is also a mecca for perfectionism. It seems to be one oh, astounding quality. I don't think it's a quality, but like a characteristic that people with anxiety do suffer with perfectionism. Um, Definitely. How does perfectionism impact your life? I've gotten a lot better with this one. Um, I think in the past, perfectionism for me exhibited itself as always looking for the answer. So the perfectionism was around thinking that life was perfectible, Mm -hmm. that like with enough work, I could figure things out and and have the answer. And it was in everything. It was from work to relationships to parenting. I mean, all those things were like, if I just work hard enough, I'll find the answer. And so it became like a real hamster wheel situation, just like running so fast to try to find the right answer. And I, and I see it a lot with people now, you know, especially around politics, like the pressure to try to have the right answer in a very confusing time, um, a time of like, you know, there's a lot going on with politics in America right now. And there's this pressure to have an answer, but there aren't always easy answers on a lot of the topics that are in front of us. And for example, COVID, we have people in America who are, who think, you know, no one should ever leave their house. And then you have people that are against those people 
and you know what it's they're sort of pitted against each other as if one side only cares about the economy and the other side only cares about human beings and human life and it's a lot more complicated than that it's yeah. not as simple as just oh. these people believe in one thing it's you know there there's a lot of gray shades in the, in that area but that's not how I almost think, Nikki, that like black and white thinking has become a cultural trait in America. Yeah, I and I go beyond America as well. I mean, I think it's it, it is. It, I feel like it's indicative of the internet, really. To you know, you have to live in extremes to be relevant online. So we, we, when we look online, we have a tendency to go well, where's our beliefs in between this? And, and most people are kind of somewhat in the middle, like um, would admit that they don't really know what's going on. Um, but all you get is the extremes and that just kind of pisses You're you right. off and fuels Absolutely. stress yeah. and a loss of faith in humanity, if you will. And then there's two sides going at Like, you know, I, I think in, in smaller communities, it, it, like from what I hear from a, a few people, um, I've said like it's really brought them closer together and there's a lot more com camaraderie and it's nice to see and blah, blah, blah. But when you, when you go on the internet, you see just like it's, it's, it's all out war. It's like fucking Bill Gates is, is, is the devil and how could you, and you're just here going, well, and like, you know, that's not what I believe. So I'm just here going, this is this is all a bit nuts and like you know truth and um don't be a sheep and you know like there's a lot of manipulation <laughs> no kind of, i know and i've even heard somebody once definitely i once somebody once said if gandhi were on twitter like people would have would be angry with him within like 10 tweets you know they'd be like <laughs> i disagree about that they're just it's just like there is no winning in this kind of environment. No. And so as a result, like that's you know, about perfectionism, like people want to figure it out, like yeah. how to be in the public and how to talk about things on social media. And like, there's no, there's no space for how flawed we all are as human beings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, th I think, I th again, like, as you said earlier on, being your, your urologist star, star patient because you just kind of accepted and wanted to dive into it like there there needs to be acceptance like i had a call from someone the other day uh, who wanted to change the world which is very admirable and like was looking for ideas for me how to do it and to get trump out of presidency and i was here going like uh i'm flattered <laughs> I'm fucking just working with my own world here. I know. Here, right? you know I what totally. I mean? And that's, I mean, that is such an anxiety fueled mission. Now, I am not saying you shouldn't take action on the things you believe in, but having sort of realistic goals around those things and knowing and sort of staying in tune with what you're doing with those goals is super important. Because otherwise, like, it, it really makes people crazy. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's, it's an opportunity, like the, there will always be a distraction. You talk about this in your book as well. You say, avoid avoiding, I think is the quote you say, which is something mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. But you just, you get into it and you're here going like, well, I can focus on all the shit that's going on and will continue to feed, to flood my newsfeed until the day I die if I let it. 
and I can continue to be pissed off with that and, and put all my energy into trying to fight back against that. Um, um, and, it, and it's admirable and there is like, you know, we should be trying to make the world somewhat of a better place, but you're actually, like if, if your fight is too grand, I believe you're just gonna like, you're going to make yourself miserable. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I always, I mean, the thing that I have learned for myself, and I, I would think this would work for other people, but I don't know, is the more I act locally and see the impact of what I'm trying to do, the better I feel and the more impact I feel I have, which could be something like helping out a neighbor. It could be for me being on the Slack group with people, but things that are within my reach as mm -hmm. opposed to diffuse impossible goals. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about, you mentioned the Slack group there. So tell us a little bit about Beautiful Voyager and, and kind of like how, how you decided to, where you came about that idea and, and, and wanted to do something. Yeah, so that was, so yeah, after, after I got the diagnosis, I did what everyone does, which is I came home and started Googling like crazy to figure out what does this mean, generalized anxiety disorder? And I found this is 2015. So things have changed a lot. But in 2015, it was not satisfying what I found because I didn't find anything that related to me. I felt like I saw uh, a lot of people like huddled in the corner with like shadows on their face and sort of just very um, depressed looking imagery. Mm -hmm. And then I also saw a lot of words that didn't apply to me. Like, like I told you, for me, anxiety is problem solving and sort of revving on things. It's not, I don't, I don't, I never interpreted that as worry. So the way that it was described online was always, you're worried about things you're worried. And that's just not how I thought of it. And yeah. so I, I wanted to create something for, for me of two years earlier. I wanted to reach the people who didn't understand and wouldn't articulate things as anxiety, but we're having some of those same issues. So I started the site. It had a really bad name at first, a terrible name. Oh, and man. then it had another terrible name. <laughs> so bad. The first name was the GAD owner's manual, like generalized oh, anxiety yeah, disorder. No. <laughs> like <laughs> so bad. And it, and it felt like it was, and I wanted it to be sort of like, the worst case scenario handbooks where it's like guy is escaping shark, you know, where yeah. it's like all those drawings of like, this is how to outrun a, a hippo if it's chasing you. So, um, so then I realized that is not good. Then I but you launched it with switched that? it. Well, I mean, launch, yeah. I created a site okay. with that and started building it. And then I was like, I don't think this is working. I'm going to call it instead blind elephant because of the blind, <laughs> the, the parable of the six blind men and each one grabs a different part of the elephant and they're all different. I don't know if you've ever heard of the story, but one grabs the tail and it feels like a rope and one grabs the trunk and it feels like a hose. And then another like only feels a wall. And so the idea is like everyone feels something different. However, the, the name is bad, but my, the, the, pictures that I included were hor it was like I had like elephant 
raised skin. Like I was trying to go for a sensory thing, but it was just hideous. Just terrible. I mean, just as bad as can be. And But I don't know. I was like trying to figure it out. Then Ooh. I went a trip with a friend um, to Sweden. And I was in the south of Sweden and I went into a church that had ships hanging from the ceiling. And the ships were given to the church by sailors who were grateful that they had been delivered safely from the sea. So they were miniature ships. And the imagery stayed with me for months. And in 2016, this is true, on January 1st, I opened my eyes and the first thing I said to my husband was, this is the year of beautiful Voyager. I don't know where it came from. It was just a creative gift that was given to me by the universe. He didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> he was like, I don't know what you're saying or what you are. But that's usual. So um, so from there, the aesthetic, the feeling of it started to come together for me. Like the idea of, and I have these old shirts of like the ship and the lighthouse. And that's when I created the lighthouse map where people around the world would put lighthouses on, I have thousands on the map. Um, and it was the overthinkers map for people to share with other people to light the path for others. And from there, it all started that's to nice. come together. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a great story, right? And it is, like, beautiful, beautiful Voyager is a great name. It's better than the name I gave to my side. Um, I've been regretting that one since day one. Wait, what, wait, which one is, what is, what is Just it? Just my own name. <laughs> Oh, your own name. I, I was going to say, isn't it your own name? Okay, yeah. that's right. What the fuck was I thinking? But um... <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. I mean, it's really hard to create an identity or or a sort of shape for these things. It's not, yeah. <laughs> not easy. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I absolutely hate about like naming it my name, it was. I mean, it it was in a moment. So <clears throat> I went out to go daddy, and just out of like curiosity was i wonder is nikki cullen available and there it was dot com it was just like my ego just drove me to to buy it and then i was just here going well i don't have to worry about coming up with a name for anything now and then um and then later on I, <clears throat> excuse me later on i was here going like that was real dumb. I don't like my identity anyway attached to this. I mean, if I if I if I could go back in time, I, know, I would like do all, it all like anonymously. All yeah, I would do it all anonymously, <laughs> and I would just like, and I bet you it would work better really? as well. Because um, I feel like it's but it's important of who you are. Like who you are is a big part of it. Yeah, well, if you had been anonymous, I wouldn't be. Like, oh, I know what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, maybe not anonymous, but I'd certainly not have, I, I would, and I've, I've thought about changing the name before as well, but then I just hear going off, you know, like the only one I really like is fuckanxiety.com and that's taken, um, but then I'd have to go on oh, this, like, you know, I'd have to go take psychedelics and go explore myself for, for days on end to try to yes. come up with a name and then it would yeah. be taken. So I'll just sit like that for a while, but, um. I just feel like it's, I don't like, per, I don't want ever to be a brand. Uh, I feel it's too much pressure. I don't like want to have to pimp myself out the whole time. So um, I feel I don't like, blame you. I feel like, 
yeah, like calling a site by my name is really, it's for some people it's great, but for for me and for what I want the value and stuff like that, not yeah. so much. But but anyway, that's uh, that's not what we're here to discuss. Um, so you create a beautiful Voyager and you started helping people and sharing your story. Um, and well, actually, my whole goal was to learn from others. Like, I actually wanted people to tell me what worked for them. Because I was more interested in, I figured, like, if I could, there's this TV show on Netflix that's really amazing called Diagnosis. And Diagnosis. the way that it works is, it's so good. I, I recommend it so much. It started with a New York Times column by this doctor, and it got really interesting when she started tackling conditions that she couldn't understand what they were, that no one, difficult conditions that no one could solve. And she started um, sending them out via the New York Times and then on this TV show to say, does anyone in the world know what this is? Which I loved because it's basically crowdsourcing the world's brain. Mm -hmm. to say this is an unusual condition what is this and that is my dream for beautiful voyager is that it's crowdsourcing the world's brain of how to be an overthinker how to help yourself through being an overthinker so that was always what i wanted to do i always wanted to get people sharing what worked for them with others because somewhere out there is somebody else who is experiencing what you're experiencing yeah and i wanted to learn for myself yeah, I mean, like, it is a constant, you're constantly learning and making tweaks oh. and managing it. Um, what do you see as the, the like, one of the, the kind of overriding problems that you would see with anxiety or other overthinkers? I think it is very hard to know what physical symptoms are coming from anxiety and what are coming from something else. Mm -hmm. And it's constant, even now for me, even though I know so much more, if I get a headache or if I get a stomach ache, I'm back at it again. Like, is this the anxiety? Yeah. Is this something else? I mean, it's, it's, it's consistent. And people on the Slack channel of Beautiful Voyager say the same thing. Someone just yesterday said, I don't know whether I should go to a therapist or a doctor. Like, what is going on? And it's so hard. It's so hard to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, trauma does affect us in so many different ways. And I get it. Like, I call this recall. It's like, if I... Because my headaches were so prominent, they were my anxiety. You know, that was that was like that told me I was afraid to go out the house. That told me I, I, I didn't have the confidence to pull off a conversation with a stranger or maybe in the worst, worst times with anyone. Um, and it, it just it, it fueled all my negative beliefs and self-worth and all that. So the second I, you know, if I. Uh, I do get headaches still if I'm stressed. It's that those those muscles tense up like a. And, oh, uh, I know. I know. I immediately Me too. Go, same. Fuck. Fucking fucking anxiety. Same. Um, same. Same. What do you think? What do, What do you think is like the thing about anxiety? I mean, what for you is how would you answer that question? Well, 
I, I guess what, what what I was thinking is what is the one of the overlying reasons so many people struggle so much more than they mm. have to, right? I'm not ever going to pretend I have it all figured out. I think uh, I think a lot of people can have severe anxiety in their life, and they they make some changes, and they don't they they don't encounter anxiety again. Really, like in a debilitating level, not not on a just like a little bit of anxiety, or I'm a little nervous because I'm doing something that means a great deal to me. Um, and uh, I think there's a bit of luck involved in that as well. Um, and then I think you know what you know what this makes you know what this makes me think of Nikki it makes me think that the core like one of the core themes I see in why people suffer from anxiety is that they can't tell the difference and I couldn't between feelings and thoughts yeah like I I I always thought those were the same I, I didn't understand what a feeling was how do you define a feeling now I actually I think a lot of people have that. So now what I say is, and this is still shorthand. I don't think I've perfected this, but what I say now a feeling is, is a physical sensation. Mm-hmm. Like I think that feelings are physical. And then as you sort of sit with them and stay with them, you, you experience more, but they are not something that comes out of your thinking brain. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's a different experience. And I'd never understood that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's a there's a real fear to sit with that, to sit with those feelings, right? That's why, that's why we avoid. That's why we 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 go drink. We go, just like we get mm-hmm. angry. Oh, we get, absolutely. Like we, we do Opioids? all these kind yeah. of dis- distractions. Um, yes. Are they big in Silicon Valley? Opioids? Or, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's it's not like. I mean, everyone has different things. Like, um, I think there's more awareness now. Maybe five years ago, people were more casually taking opioids or like Valium or even benzos. Like, I remember 10, 5, 10 years ago, people would take like Ativan or I don't know, just different benzos as if, um, as if it wasn't addictive and it wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there's more awareness now. It doesn't mean people don't say clonopin. I mean, but it's not like people don't still take it, but it used to be very socially acceptable. Like I'm stressed out. I'm going to take a clonopin tonight. Mm-hmm. And now I think there's a little more sort of like, that's not a good thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I think more people just are talking about pot all the time. You know what I mean? It's all cannabis, cannabis. Yeah. There's also so a, that's big, a, little bit too. a big culture in in Silicon Valley, if I'm right, from, from a Netflix documentary, what, take, take Your Pills or something, um, about Adderall and how that's kind of wrong. I think that's true for there. people who are working and like want to do that long focus, definitely. Yeah. But I, there's also a huge psychedelic movement that's like really starting to blossom. I find that one fascinating. It is. And I think people are microdosing and like, you know, so many people, when I talk about mental health, they tell me about microdosing and they're like, LSD is going to be the thing, you know, or some version of psychedelics mm. or mushrooms um, will be the thing that like changes this. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I mean, like there's a lot of interesting research coming out about that. 
I I took ayahuasca. Was it last year? I think it was last year. Because I was just kind of fascinated. I didn't. Um, I just wanted to to understand myself better, and maybe let go of some additional shit that I, you know, was uh, holding on to. Um, and I think that's all extremely fascinating. And I like. I do believe. How, what was your experience like? How did it go? Uh, it was. It, it was interesting. It was like. It's it's kind of funny because I see you going like oh, I fucked it up, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean it was a big deal for me. I did like you know I did a I didn't touch a, a drink or anything for not that, that that's a big deal but maybe it was but I didn't like you know I was on a completely clean diet um, didn't yeah. touch a drop of alcohol for uh, about a month or so beforehand. Uh, you know, it was a big deal. I've had, you know, because I had a panic attack smoking weed, like, I like, and I have experimented mm. with drugs and stuff like that in the past, um, but not not for a healing, for healing, just for fun. Um, but I was like, I don't want to, you know, you paint a picture. And I'm here, I don't want to be tripping off my head and have a panic attack for the first time in a few years. I know. That I, well, terrifying. that's certainly why I never do drugs. Um, I'm like, this This is not for my type of brain. And uh, <laughs> so so I was like, on the morning of, I woke up and I was here going, shit, I feel, I feel sick. I felt like there was a kind of head cold coming on and there was a headache. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was a buildup of the emotion, just go, oh, today's the day kind of thing. And, right. Um, Yep. No, the, totally. The ceremony. So I went and I I I, I got there first. Um, wanted to ask a few questions and just kind of familiarize myself with the surroundings, which would make me more comfortable anyway. And uh, I got I got down and I like I took the the first. You know, it's all like no one's really talking to each other. And it's like proper. It's like tea, right? It's kind of like yeah, herbs. I wouldn't yeah. say it's like tea, but it's like a in a wooden it's like cup. bad it really like bad a, tasting right it's like licorice you know I've, uh, it's oh quite, it's i thought it tasted right. like dirt okay yeah i mean it would you wouldn't want to be you want to knock it back but like what i didn't understand is like so i had a couple of friends but they were over on the other side of the room um and they had done it before so they were going like after a while they're playing all this music to i don't know in touch with the spirits or something and uh they'd call you up if you want another one. And I was just here going like, shit. You know, I I didn't want to, my whole thought process was like going like, nothing's happened right now. So I was sitting there for an hour and I was still feeling relatively normal. And and then I was going like, now, now the role play in my head is going like, in there's been times where I've regretted taking something for a second time because the other one hadn't exploded, so it was like I was I was telling myself I might have a stick of dynamite inside me that just like the fuse is about to burn out. Um, I don't want to throw another stick down there, so I didn't take so I didn't take it. But the, it turns out like the reason they give you this much is because it's so harsh in the stomach. That's why everybody purges. Uh, I didn't purge either, and then um, and then I was just gonna go, kind of give it another hour. And I think because I had that headache was still so prominent that it was a different type of headache that day, so I just kind of sat there, and but I be, I was beating myself up, 
going oh you fucking idiot you've 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 messed this all up like you you know like and i was saying that like you know like i was really being a prick to myself and i was here going oh well that's interesting because you you you've that's a pattern you've certainly run for many many years um so i didn't have a an outer body experience nobody came and visited me i wasn't like i wasn't it wasn't a psychedelic experience for me um I felt quite depressed for a few I so days re- I so relate to what you're saying, by the way. I so relate because I feel like every time I'm on vacation or have a special thing happen, all I feel is sort of anticipatory stress or, or anxiety. And then it makes the event, it makes me really question the event. Like, am I doing this right? Like, what should I? And it it's very hard when you have an event like that, especially a body event. Like in your case, that's like very intimate that's happening in your body. I, I, I can just imagine I would be the exact same way you were. Yeah. And what's, what, what kind of events do you experience that with now? Is it work events or is it phone events or just events in general? I mean, today, today is the, today is the official publication date of the book. Oh, right. Wow. And that's a big day. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. that's a day I've been looking forward to for a really long time. And it's people keep saying, like, is it strange to publish a book during COVID? Like, don't you wish you were out in the world and having parties? And what I think is uh, that I know myself in those situations. I get very, like, pumped up. Yeah. I'm ready to go. But then like a headache usually hits as I'm pumping myself up and then I perform and then there's like a release and like a few days later, I'm glad I did it. But the, the, it's, it's like climbing a mountain Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like, just pump yourself up to do it. And so I always say to people like, well, I know that most people feel that way. Like most people wish that they were having parties for their book, et cetera. But for me, um, it's a fine line between wanting to perform and do like the good thing versus how to take care of my body reaction to stuff. Mm-hmm. So would you say there's an element of, you know, okay, so there's, um, how do I word this right? There's, there's an expectation of you that because you have to do a book launch, you're supposed to be all happy in Barnes and Noble, yes. standing in front of a crowd going, yes. oh, this is brilliant. Yes. This is like, I'm so overly thrilled oh God, yes. and delighted that you're all here today to talk about my book about anxiety, <laughs> where, where, where I <laughs> so shoot myself oh my bare God, of some shit I never wanted I to deal with in my life. And yes, this is wonderful oh and blah, blah, blah. Um, oh my God. That kind of expectation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. I do feel like there is this, I feel like there's a lot of situations where people would say, people might look to you looking for an emotional response. Like, for example, getting married. Like, they look to you to have, like, a face of joy. Yeah. And, a, you know, certain, under, understandable, by the way. But um, it's harder when you're someone who um, has to go through a lot of, like, physical, <laughs> phys- like, deal with these hormones that hit. Like, deal with this, like, cortisol hit and adrenaline hit. And, like, you're trying to, like, process it. 
but it's harder to just have that natural reaction. It's almost like there's like, you have to go through these waves to get there. You can't just start there. You have to like, you, you've already been through a journey just to get to the point where they think you're starting. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. I mean, I know for me, like there's, there's some, so there's some situations where I feel like I'm extremely confident and like very socially outgoing and, um, I would say I don't like attention. So it's like I might come across I as someone. I, that... I, but I also seem to want it. I don't. I, I have very ambivalent <laughs> feelings about it. Yeah. Because like we created this stuff, right? I mean, we just said we're like happy to be on the helpline list. And I really am. I'm thankful. I want people to read my book. Like, mm. but at the same time, um, it's almost like I want to be able to control how people interact with it. Like, it's ridiculous, oh, no, you know? It's yeah, terrible. No, I don't no, I really want to, but, like, that's, like, almost like the sign, you know? Well, what, what I've been playing with, there's a great book called The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman. And it's, uh, it's all about, like, the power of secret identities to, to transform your life. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I, I'd highly recommend it to, to everybody and like I, I'm I listen to it and now I'm reading through it and kind of like just playing with it a little bit and like one of the things that I you know like as you said there right I I I, I believe in the work that I do I want to like you know like from the very start my my intentions were pure. I just want to fucking help people because this mm -hmm. is brutal and nobody and like and and mm -hmm. and it's a very similar like I, I took a very similar approach. I know we had both arrived there in different ways and whatnot, but I was just like going like it wasn't there for me the help that I needed. So I, what what I was trying to hand out is people the gift of hindsight before they actually have to go there and experience the worst of it, um, and. And I, and sometimes I get I get I get I get real kind of like going you know like as I said with the personal brand there it's like you gotta like get over that that fact Nikki right if you really want to like it's not about you maybe you're being selfish here or, or whatnot um, and then it's like going like you know because I I see people who just love attention and love the limelight and just pine for it and that's like. Um, you know and I'm here going like I'd like to be like that but I'm not like that and if I was like would that, you was... would you like to be like that though because I feel like you've got a great like approach and a great attitude about it a little bit more not like not be a different person not like not in an egotistical way but just like oh all right from a like yeah I could really help each other if I just just start making some more decisions to step out uh, to take mm. a little bit more of a leap out of the comfort zone. That's something that I've been just kind of working through and how I would approach that um, when all this kind of shit show is beyond us and start doing workshops mm. and connecting with people. I'm not looking to stand in, in you know, like uh, having an Obama-type inauguration, but like, you know, just getting small workshops together, people who really want to learn and, 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 and do the work to accept this and kind of like just... Um, take those steps. I think you could really such... help people in that environment, by the way. 
I think you could really help people. I think that would make a lot of sense for you to be out doing that. Yeah, now you're putting pressure on me. <laughs> no, so you, it's not. You. I mean, you also don't need to. I mean, you're already reaching people by doing what you do right now, doing no, this I podcast. I, I mean, that's... I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And it's it's something I think I would enjoy, but it's just like you, you got to... There's some kind of decisions we have to to make to go beyond, like, that. it's not about us, right? You, you know, you're here going like... Well, I heard something once that I can't... I, I'm gonna butcher, so forgive me. But it's something about me. there's some like tradition around the difference between good stress and bad stress, and it, it has its roots in something that I can't remember. I attended a talk, and someone was talking about it. But basically, the idea that um, when you are forcing yourself to grow, like let's say you're giving a speech, and you feel both excited but stressed by it that is a positive stress there is a positive stress and then there's a sort of inhibiting stress so understanding the excitement part of growth in a way that um can help spur you on as opposed to inhibit that's just a subtle difference but i think it's it's more about like feeling that little bit of excitement to push yeah, yourself yeah. into the next round. And you realm. need that stress as well in your life. You know, it drives you. If you didn't have that stress, you wouldn't care. So yes. uh, it's certainly a good thing. But so let's let's get on to the book, Get Out of My Head, which is officially launched today. Oh, my goodness. My brother got it in the mail today. I couldn't believe it because everything here is saying, like, it could be two weeks. It could be a week, but it actually arrived. That's and amazing. I was so excited. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so I, I'm I'm so honored that I'm talking to you on the launch day. I, I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. So, what have you been doing for 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 the launch? So I have. Uh, it's May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So there's a lot of sort of planning going out in the world right now, and so I have been connecting with people in different places to give talks, give like sort of Zoom and online talks. Um, one I'm doing on two days is at the Hugo House in, in Seattle. So this is just sort of leading people through some of the principles of the book. And in this case, it's with writers. So helping them write and think about writing, giving them prompts. Um, I'm working on a Google um, presentation now for internal within Google, talking about language and mental health. Wow. And uh, I know I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 they're doing a different sort of internal only mental health. This would be the end of their sort of mental health programming for the month. Okay. Um, but yes. Wow. It's with the, it's through the same person that organizes Google Talks, which I, I of course is my dream to do Google Talks. That's um, but yeah, yeah. And so then I um I'm also giving a talk to high school students through um, the company Bring Change to Mind, which is Glenn Close, the actress Glenn Close, and the basketball star Kevin Love started this this mental health organization. So I'm going to give a talk to to high school students through that, which I'm excited about. So just trying to talk to different people about different topics, and and helping myself refine those top topics too. I mean, part of giving a talk is you're you're sort of thinking through new ideas, which I really enjoy too. Mm-hmm. And talking to you, I mean, talking to people. I love pod. I love getting to talk to people on podcasts. Every every time, I learn so much. 
Yeah, they 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 are a lot of fun. I I definitely um, yeah enjoy doing them. Uh, that that's super cool. How how are you managing all these talks? Because you, you have like talking to kids is different to talking to people in Seattle, and it's th- I know. different to talking to people I'm in Google. I'm still figuring right? it out. I'm honestly, I'm still figuring it out. It's not like I'm giving the same talk at all each yeah. time. Each one is so different. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm building I'm building those talks right now, and I'm I just really try to bear in mind who is the audience and what do they care about. Yeah. I've loved talking to kids in the past. I've talked to uh, college students before and I think they, they seem to love it because I'm so, I'm so honest about my failures <laughs> and they seem to really enjoy that. <laughs> and I'm like, and then this happened and then I was at all these startups and this is crazy. And then I got fired <laughs> and they just, they love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Oh. I know it's hilarious. But I think there is something about um, someone who is willing to talk about something that a lot of people are tense about and and find like are so uh, stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel stick like it doesn't. I don't. That doesn't. It no, doesn't. I don't relate don't to that. I don't feel. That like, <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't feel that. Um, and so I think that's like I guess my secret weapon is that I just don't feel stigma. <laughs> That's, that's, that's great. Um, and stigma is one of these really complicated, like multifaceted, multi-layers, multi-layer problem. And people with mental health stigmatize against it as much as people are, that don't suffer. I know. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Self, self-stigma is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amazing. So let's tell us about the book. Okay. Okay. So the book is some of the collected wisdom of the beautiful Voyager community. It is meant to be boiled down into very useful, actionable ideas. I've always liked, there are two things I always want, which is humor and action. If I can get humor and action together, I'm super happy. That's my goal. I also always said, I want this to be a toilet reading book. Like if someone reads this, (laughs) if if someone takes my book into the bathroom, I see it as a huge win because I always think like I'm winning because to me, like the thing I read when I go into the bathroom is like something I actually really want to read and I'm interested (laughs) in. And um, so ideally it's a toilet book and, um, I also really care about design. So I'm lucky that I work at this company, Pinterest, that also really cares about design. I found an artist. I got to work with this incredible artist on the book. So the book all has original art that she made by hand. And there's like a description of how she made the art. But like the art is a a really important part of the book too. And you touched on that at at the start when we started chatting. Um, and I kind of just made a note that because I obviously saw it in the book and the art is really stunning. Um, so that creativity obviously is extremely important to you. Yes, and Nikki, the artist, her name is Leah, came over to my house today on launch day with a cake that she had baked in honor of the in honor of the book, and it's infused with the spirit of the book you have to go on instagram and see this cake it's amazing she created these these balls that are like flying around on top of the cake it's a three-dimensional explosion 
Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, with all these colors. Awesome. What, what is your Instagram? Oh, it's Bevoya, just like the site. So Beautiful Voyager shortened because Beautiful Voyager is too long. So it's B-E-V-O-Y-A. B-E-V-O-Y-A. Okay, I'll check it out. And we'll put it, uh, we'll put it in. Which is, the, what the, which is what the site is, too. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we put all the information and how to contact you in, in the notes. Um, Thank you. So is it a tasty cake? I haven't tasted it yet because oh. listen to this. She created a lighthouse that is on the top of the cake and behind the lighthouse there is a candle. And so when it gets dark tonight, I'm going to light the candle and you can see the light. This is why it's good to work with artists, by the way. Incredible. <laughs> you can see the light come through her design. So I have to wait until it's dark before I cut into that baby. Oh, no. How long have you got? Oh, it must be getting dark um, Well, it's 7.15 p.m. It's 7.15. Yeah, it'll be like within the next hour. Oh, happy days. Exciting times. Um, <laughs> and we're back. We're, we dive into the content a little bit, but also within the artwork, I noticed like you have, which is really creative, is the little kind of like the little pouch book. The that little you have book. The back of okay, it. thank That's you for so noticing. awesome. Yeah, thank you for noticing the little book. Here it is in person. Um, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, Here, it's so cool, you. and it's such a great idea. And so here's where this came from. So my idea for this little book is that the big book has so many thoughts in it, mm -hmm. but I wanted a place that was just feeling. And in particular, I wanted a place that talked about free floating anxiety that made you feel the feeling of it passing and then explained at the end. So it's like this little almost poem that you can just put into your back pocket and take with you on the go um, that just reminds you of like, it's almost like medicine in your pocket. Yeah, I can, I, I mean, like I can imagine so many people will get such comfort just knowing that that's, they have that on them and they can just pick it up. That would and, make me so happy, Drew. That and, would make me so happy. And have those little positive messages to remind them like that, you know, this is, this will pass or, uh you know all the great messages i'm sure that you have in there that we, we need to yeah. we need to hear in those moments yeah. before we kind of spiral spiral down a down a hole that we don't want to be going down um and i always think it's like you know it's hard to catch yourself in these moments and you you know you're not really going to be walking the around hardest. with a book or anything um so it's like just that comfort knowing i've got a little tiny book that will yes. slide in any pocket that's <laughs> way smaller than my mobile <laughs> phone and is going to that's, like that's do so much more exactly for my health <laughs> and i wanted it to feel just have this little like like this little feeling of this little thing that's it's like a, a like the fact that it's physical like this little physical thing to like hold on to yeah, that's it, it's it's fantastic. When I when I saw it, I was just here going, "Holy shit, that's so cool!" Good for I you. I love that. So, um, let's just quickly chat about some of the kind of key messages within the book. Hmm. So the book is organized, um, sort of 
it, it, it's meant to be slightly progressive, meaning like it goes sort of from the beginning into slightly more heady concepts. So it starts um, with basic ideas around what you're experiencing, what the hormones are doing for you, to you, how to think about the wave and the wave being this adrenaline rush that happens, like sort of what happens to us when we experience anxiety and, and how it recedes also. And often when we feel shaky as it's receding, we think that's um, a bad thing, but learning to sort of change the story there and say, Oh, it's receding. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Like I made it. This is great. I'm strong. Like I made it again. And so just sort of changing the story around some of those experiences. And then it goes into like play and the importance of play and why play is important and why we sort of loosen our grip. I always think of this as like a Chinese finger trap and like the more you pull on it, the worse it gets. But if you're, if you play, play is what like allows you to let it go. Yeah, uh, that's uh, an interesting metaphor. I haven't heard that one before, but I've highlighted that. And like, I, I, I love seeing you talk about that and it's just start to play. I always yeah. think it's like, it's when you get hit with anxiety or, de or depression or just an overwhelm yeah. of stress, it's like the first thing we forget is that we can play. And it's like the last thing we'll yeah. ever remember. And I know it's it, it keeps us in that shitty state in it for a I know. And you know what I liken that to? I liken that to a fight with a friend or a spouse or whoever when you're fighting and then all of a sudden one of you laughs and like <laughs> the tension is gone. You know, yeah. it's like if you're lucky enough to have that happen, um, the fight can change shape. And yeah, I think sure. I really think it's the same with anxiety. Like if you can make yourself laugh, like all of a sudden it feels different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, In a fight, sometimes so, it, can, yeah. it can go. It, it just, can go it... against you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make sure the other person it, gets it. It can be a bold <laughs> so strategy at times. You're here going, shit, that that backfired. I've, got, I've done that by the way. I've definitely done that by the way. <laughs> um, and then there's like some stuff around. Um, catchphrases i'm very big into catchphrases so one of my favorite catchphrases that i use constantly is protect the head and the idea is if i'm trying to understand should i open my news app should i you know binge watch something that stresses me out like say to yourself is this protect the head am i protecting my head as I do this and, and mm -hmm. starting with that sort of defensive position around like how to take care of yourself, it helps you make good choices. Yeah. I tell it to my daughter all the time. I, my daughter is 10 years old and I always say to her like, Alice, protect the head, like stop. Don't go down that path. That is not protect the head. <laughs> that's, I, that, that sounds like a, a wonderful lesson for your daughter to hear on repeat over the years because when that sinks in. She, she hears that yeah. She's, There's another one too I say to her, which is your brain is listening to you. So she'll, <laughs> if she'll say, I can't I do that, these. or I, I, and like your brain is listening, you've got to stop saying that because your brain is going to hear you. And it's actually true. Like oh, yeah. the brain hears messages and then like turns into, I can't do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Self talk is, 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 is huge. 
these catchphrases are are fantastic. Protect the head. <laughs> love, I love Protect that. the head. I'm gonna I'm gonna take <laughs> them on. You should protect the head. Uh, you yeah. Should, you should make a a, a card, kind of a deck of uh, catchphrases. The artist phrases. made um, a a cap for me that says "Protect the head." <laughs> <laughs> so I wear this baseball cap that says "Protect the." I know it should be. Yeah. Though that 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 I fuck I love them. Protect the head. I just like because it. it, 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 it it makes a play, it, it brings in play, right? You know, even when you're saying to your yeah. daughter, protect the head, it's like, you know, you're saying it in a jokey way, but she's here, it makes her yeah. think, I would assume. And then she go, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to spend, um, I don't know what, it, like a 10 year old's behavior on phones or anything like that. But if you say it to someone in, in, in a fun way repeatedly, you're here going like, yes. when you pick up your phone and you go to the bathroom and you take your iPhone as opposed to, Get out of my head by Meredith author. You're here going like I'm not protecting my head. Thank you. <laughs> you know, That's I brought the wrong thing into the bathroom with me. I'm yes. scrolling through yes. this stuff that's just bad for my head. Um Yes, my toilet time is supposed to be get out of my head by Meredith Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I'm, I'm sorry, I just uh, <laughs> You could do a whole thing on that. Toilet time. I love right? it. Marathon. <laughs> Toilet time with Marathon. Do that live, be the live, name of the podcast. live streams. Yeah. There you go. If you st- there you have it. Toilet time with Meredith Arthur. That's a beautiful that. name. That's amazing. Um, I've lost my trail of thought. Um, we were but those catchphrases are so good. Uh, oh, yeah. I like it. I t- I'm talking to a lot of people at the moment or I'm like on, on just messenger and, and, you know, some, some in person as well. And this, the, you know, COVID is affecting them greatly. Um, I'm also talking to a lot of people that are, that, that would say, oh, this is just like, that would say life is better now. Um, mm. I think they, they're, they're happy to have a break from society for a while. And, what I what I really think is when 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 I'm talking when I'm hearing you know the the patterns I see from those that are really having a really tough time with it is is they're like because they're spending so much time on social media consuming media trying to understand it or make sense of it or just looking for the world to be more compassionate and kind and all all of that which we discussed at the start it's it's only ever going to ramp up their anxiety and they're like conversely they're fighting a losing battle and that it ha- you know they have to go protect the head like you oh know, i would love it i mean if i could just get that one thing if people could just think to themselves I, you know i spent so much time trying to convince people to turn off news apps but I think a much better way to do it instead of saying turn off news apps is, is saying check in with yourself is this protecting the head? <laughs> Protect the head. We're, that's what we're going to call this episode. Okay, great. One hundred percent. Another. So you you also talk about avoid avoiding. Oh right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's one that I've seen a lot around. The idea that if you do nothing, you're. Um, 
you're sort of avoiding or or managing to get around the problem and it's not you're making a decision by avoiding you you may not think of it that way but um it's really important to know that that even if you're for example you think i'm just going to take this safe path with this job i'm just going to stay in this job i don't like it that much but like let me just i don't want to make a decision but that is making a decision you are making a decision to do that perhaps that is the right decision i don't know but but acknowledge to yourself that you can't just it's almost like procrastinating a decision you cannot it will still be there you're still making a decision even if you you think you're not even if you think you're punting it mm-hmm. um and i especially see that with you know as time passes for people um who you know a har- really t- difficult and heart-wrenching one is women trying to decide about kids and like should we have should i have a kid should i not have a kid and you know the idea you can't you can't punt forever and that makes it super difficult you hit a certain age and and you sort of have to make the decision but there's this desire we have to like avoid decision making mm-hmm. but it's not it's going to it's going to catch you no matter what i think that's that's what it comes down to yeah, not sure. making a decision is making a decision yeah and 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 that's often those Tony Rob, Robbins talks about them. He calls them safe, safe, safe decisions and risky decisions. And the safe decision is often yeah. the worst decision of, of all. You're not, well, and I think a lot of people don't think they're even making that decision. Yeah, they they just think I'm just going to stay as I am. I'm just going to stay neutral. But it's yeah. like no, you're not neutral. You're making a decision. And it will have consequences. Yeah. So it's more like acknowledging that you are making a decision. Yeah, for sure, it becomes unconscious. So just bringing the awareness around it to, to kind of like spark that courage that it takes to make that what what's perceived for often crazy reasons is a risky decision. But like when you're when you're in the midst of you're living your life in a constant state of anxiety and you're here going like I am not happy at all. I'm miserable. I'm in pain. Nobody understands, and like it's that, and that you that that decision is made probably many times a day to like keep you there, and that one risky yes. decision where you go like maybe it's asking this person out, maybe it's like just going to the shops, maybe it's like applying for a job, you know, like setting yourself up for something that could not work out but could also work out, and we, you know, we have to endure this to get to where we ultimately want to go and just get on a track to where we're actually just enjoying this, this process of life for as long as we're here. Uh, Yeah. And you have to articulate to yourself, okay, I may not want to ask anyone out today. I am making a decision that I am not going to ask anyone out for another two weeks, but you have to like say that to your, like, it's okay to make that decision, but to think that you can just avoid it, you have it's still a decision you have to articulate to yourself that you're doing that um and and then proceed accordingly but you can't just avoid the whole thing you can't just like step to the side doesn't exist yeah for sure um that's great Uh, and it's such a it's such a a defense mechanism of anxiety uh whether it's conscious or unconscious it doesn't matter and it it does not help uh You also talk about comparison, 
which I think is just worth touching on. Oh, that's another, I mean, that's another one. And it's such, for me, again, that's a catchphrase one. And that is one that I, is a rule. That is a rule in my life. And the rule is don't compare. And it's super simple. And it is, if, if it ever comes up that I think of what someone else has or someone else's life, it, I, I am not allowed to do that anymore. This is something that within the past few years, this is just like, once I recognize that that's is what that's what's happening, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's a it's like, it's it's almost like an electrical fence that I cannot cross anymore. And so I I think that comparison is poison. Um, it it I've seen it, you know, poison people around me, and it's just. It's not something I ever want to do. It's ever again. And and so I've kind of made that decision. And it works once you're – because the hard part is tuning into the fact that it's happening. But once you recognize, oh, this is comparison, then it's – oh, it's the electrical fence. I can't cross that fence. So you've basically just created a story, a narrative that – like a catchphrase, I guess, that helps you stop comparing yourself. Yeah, and in this case, it, it, although it started as a catchphrase, it's gotten much deeper for me now. Mm-hmm. Now it has become um, something that is, it's almost like I have these new guardrails within my brain. That, And another one is it's the sentence, if only. I will, I will not say a sentence that starts, if only. And if I hear other people do it, I'm like, mm, are you sure you want to say that? Like, if only is a very, I think I describe it as arsenic. Like, <laughs> if and only together is poison, too. Yeah. Yeah, never thought of that. I mean, like, again, we're getting back to language here. But, and I know from my experience, I probably said, if only... 555,000 times to myself over the course of like those first 10 years like if only I didn't yes if only I know if only I didn't do this if only I didn't do that if only the world was kinder to me if only this happened yes you know and it it becomes never ending it it just it it's a trap it lures you into self-pity which is just the the worst place that like you know yeah i mean i think of this almost as like terrain that i no longer go to like if the world if the world that i visit is a terrain like there's now fenced off areas that i just i do not go to anymore and if only is one of those areas and comparison is one of those areas like that's just not that's not a world that i spend time in anymore it's done that's awesome that's so good. Uh, thank you so much for sharing with us all your wisdom. What would be the three, the, just before we wrap this up, what would the three tips you would give to someone that's kind of listening, that's struggling with anxiety today? I... What would I want? I mean, I get very tactical about things. So if if you are confused about what you're experiencing, I, I think that joining the Beautiful Voyager Slack group is a place to start. Mm-hmm. Writing is a place to start. I, I 
I think you know Nikki because you've written for it, but Invisible Illness is a publication that I oversee at Medium. Mm -hmm. And we offer free editorial support to people who want to write about mental health. Free. We have editors in the mental in the beautiful Voyager Slack group that like will help you as you're writing about mental health. So I would just say tactically, you know, if not beautiful Voyager, find another group of people that you can start to share some of your experiences with to name them naming. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing I would say is, and this is really basic, but um, tune in with your body. Are you, what's your temperature like? Are you hot? Like take off a layer. It's crazy how often that works for me. Like where I'm just, I don't even realize like I'm thirsty. I'm like have too many clothes on. Like it's just very basic, but just sort of tune into yourself a little bit if you can, just your body system at this moment. And then the third thing I think would be explore the impact of color on your life. You see that I have like color around me right now and that I always try to, and the book has color. We talk about this in the book, but it is amazing to me that one bright wall in a room can energize. It it can change how you, um, I think the artist says something like color can be a multivitamin. So just these little opportunities to change your environment, change your body, name things, talk to people like these, these are, these are free. These are doable. Um, it's just a matter of sort of tuning in and thinking about taking those actions. Love it. Love it. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for taking. Oh, good. I love talking to you too. This is great. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to chat with me on the launch day of your book. So where, (laughs) where can people, where can people get the book and where, where can people connect and get into the Slack group and find you on, you know, let's, let's hear it. it can all start at the same place. It can yeah. all start at this. It all, the all paths lead out from beautiful Voyager. So going to B E V O Y A B Voya.com. And there you'll see the book. You'll see the choices of where you can buy it. Independent big box, like Kindle, you know, all of those are there. So you can just choose. Um, or you can go to whatever online store you like and the book is available everywhere. It's, it's the publisher is a, is a big publisher. So the distribution is very good. So, um, but you can start with beautiful Voyager or Meredith Arthur. I mean, I think if you Google it, it should be easy to find. Cool. At uh, least well, I have noticed it is. I'll, all will be in the show notes. Um, okay. So uh, okay. you can just go ahead and click there and get into the Slack group and, if you want to write for um, Invisible Illness, excuse me. Uh, Invisible Illness, yeah. Yeah, then just yeah. kind of set up a Medium account and um, reach out to Meredith and you can share your story in there and, and help inspire other people. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. No, thank you. I, I really love talking to you too. I mean, for someone with anxiety, you seem very calm. I really, you have a great demeanor and like you really make things feel approachable. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, I've, I've worked on it for many years now. So. 
obviously 18 years 18 years <laughs> it <Yeah>. shows <laughs> thank you very much thank you